Welcome to Bird Camp Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the pursuit and promotion of upland birds, specifically the rough grouse. So if you like sitting around a campfire with your favorite bird dog and two brothers from Michigan who love talking about upland hunting, this podcast is for you. So let's put another log on the fire and start the show. This is Bird Camp. All right, welcome to episode eight, recorded Ocho. December 9th, 2020. Welcome to Bird Camp. And uh, we're going to talk about a little short two-day trip, plus an earlier trip we took up to uh, northern Lower and as well as the uh, Upper Peninsula to do some grouse hunting. And uh, how do you think the trip went, Kevin? Oh, it was awesome. It was fun. It was uh it's a December hunt, but for a December hunt in the UP, you couldn't ask for much better than what we got, right? So Yeah, just to talk about the weather, uh, we had just did a short trip. We had to uh, do some other things on the way up and the way down, but uh, took the bird dog with us, Maggie, and um, she did a really good job. Um, weather on the way up, it was supposed to be like cloudy with a little chance of preset further north was the forecast. I always check that out. But it was actually by the time we got to the bridge, basically, it started to clear out. It was beautiful going over. Um, it was about 29 degrees, got a little cooler towards dark, no wind. Um, and then once we got to the upper peninsula, started hunting, the clouds would move it. Excuse me, the clouds would move in and then uh, it'd clear out again. So it was just a beautiful day to hunt the first day and night, evening. And then uh, the next day, it was pretty much cloudy the whole time, and then in the uh, Upper Peninsula, they were actually having on and off light snow showers, and the roads were a little, not too bad, but I mean. Yeah, we got a little sideways once. Yeah, it was a little scary, but fun. Um, and uh, the first day, we uh, just to talk a little bit about it, we were hunting some, a uh, few different areas, and um, we got into one bird, and it was really close to the truck um, once we parked. Um, Maggie went right on point and, um, well, this is our third spot we were hunting for the day, Kevin. I don't remember. Third, third, third or fourth. Third or fourth. Anyways. And we hadn't really seen or heard. We thought we heard some drumming off in the distance one time, but never saw any birds. But yeah, we, she was, Kevin was still loading his gun. I was loaded cause he carries a semi. I'm an over under guy. So I'm good to go. And I'm all excited to shoot because we have the new boss shot shells. So we're like just dying to try these out. And um, Maggie goes right on point. And I'm like, oh, is this a false point? Because she's still a young dog, still makes mistakes. Um, I'm an old guy, still make mistakes. But I'm like, okay, what you got? And all of a sudden, boom, this huge bird just burst out of it before she even had a chance to flush it. And she goes running up the road watching it so i follow her looking to get a shot it's just too far away it went through the woods and went up high and then go ahead kevin where you thought you saw it well as matt said i i was putting my last shell on my gun when the bird blew and i gotta say something um we had a several year experience with what we call big bird downstate and uh, which we never did bag by the way but um 
this was a different sounding bird. It was a deep thumping, and we both got eyes on it. It, it was it a big was, bird. Oh, man. And, you know, you never know. Is the weather, the density, is, you know, do they sound different because they're coming off the ground or a tree flush? But this thing blew up. I dropped my last shell in the snow, and I never left my eyes, never left the bird, but I picked up the shell and just put it in my pocket because I didn't want to put it in the gun. And, um, we both saw the bird and saw different things. It went high on an angle. It has rough grouse do, and especially sharp tail grouse. This is a rough. Is it went behind a tree as it was going away from us, and because we were at different angles, I never saw it come out the backside of the tree. Now, a lot of times, as any grouse knows, they'll keep the tree between you and them. But I swore that thing spread its wings and went into the top of these two big pine trees. And you thought it went the other way, right? And yeah, you thought it went there. I thought it went there and then continued on past those trees into some even higher trees back up, kind of not on a ridge line, but in a swamp. So right. Maggie and I went down the trail that we actually parked on, which was, you know, two track. We went further down, I don't know, 50 yards or so. And, and then I found a, a good place to go in with her. And then she still had sun of it. We went back to where I thought it had settled down. Couldn't find it. Kevin was still sitting there where he thought it settled down. Yeah, I, I stopped at these two trees. Oh, they were probably 40, 60 feet, you know, double trunk thing, pine trees. And I had actually cornered around it on every point of the compass, four different points, and stood at every point for a minute or two. And I, I'm looking at every single branch and going, I think that person, that tree still. You know, I'm not positive, but, you know, I went around it. Then we went deeper and came back, like you said, Matt, and it bumped right out of that tree I, I spent so much time at. But it's just amazing. If it, I don't know if it moved and came back or if it stayed there and just sat up there and watched me. Yeah. Um, I, but before I, I, that, I'll even, I'll even take the barrel of my gun in my hand and bump the trees in that situation to try and get it to move. But, um, it sure, sure is. It can be. It bumped right out of the same place. But before and, that, you came back to me because I'm like, oh, it's got to be back here. I saw it go back here. I saw it go back here. And I, I was 100% sure it was back in the swamp area. And we found a tree stand. Nobody was in it, thankfully. I'm like, then we kind of got turned around. Not turned around, but it was so thick and it was wet. And we didn't want to go, you know. And, of course, Maggie's in and out of the water, swamp water. I'm like, great. Um, so I'm like, there's got to be a trail leading from the tree stand. There wasn't. So, no. <laughs> well, we couldn't course, find it. There probably was, but we. When you're in a cedar tamarack, there is no direct line. We had that several times this week. You yeah. Know? So we w we went back to right where you were standing, and poof, there it goes again. And so it bumped. That was the only time we bumped it again. Yep. So then we went back to the road, and we always play this game. Let's walk down the trail like we were originally going to, and maybe this bump bird will go and come back to where we originally flushed it which was near the road on a, you know, on a log. Um, so we go down, I don't know what, five, 10 minutes, come back, nothing. And it's getting dark. So we're running out of time, go down two more trails. And then I took Maggie and kind of just worked the perimeter around. And then we went down the last trail and then we saw something really cool. What I call a fan. And, um, you want to talk about that, Kevin, kind of what it is yeah, from your yeah, experience? Yeah, I, I, I have, I worked in the poultry industry a long time with chickens and turkeys, but um, 
birds will dust bath themselves when they get damp. And um, I've explained this to almost everybody in our hunting party, but this may have been the second, I've shown Dr. Tom before, but this is the chance to show you. And it was fascinating. So there's like a Christmas tree right on this trail. And, you know, it's heavy forest. We're deep. And uh, um, there was just a light covering of an inch of snow that, you know, so even if you walked on the snow, your footprints wouldn't go through. Well, right adjacent on the trail under this Christmas tree, tree, you could see that it was cleared out. The leaves and everything was cleared out under the trees. But when you came out onto the trail, there was about a 16-foot diameter area where the uh, grouse had came out underneath that tree. It was probably sheltered there during the rain and snow. And it cleared an area, um, fan-shaped and you could actually see where its wings had dragged a little bit when it was pumping them, and you could you could clearly see its footprints. And it had cleared down from the snow to the leaves all the way to the dust on the trail. And it was really, it's really cool to see if you've never seen one. And, of course, you can continue what happened from that point. Yeah, I call that like the uh, a fan, um, not yeah. electric fan, but like a fan uh a japanese gensha asian american asian yeah like you know the old school fan um so so that was cool and i was just about to take a picture and then we hear some dudes yelling at us down the trail and we could see the truck um because we had just started down that way and that's kind of that i mean it was real close to where that bird flush but these dudes started yelling i was like hey hey and of course, as soon as I took a picture, Maggie went to right where I was and ruined the fan picture, so I didn't get it. Oh, she um, was she was she was all over that. Yeah, because she was sending it. So we go back and talk to these guys, and they're like, "Hey, get your dog out of there!" And we're like, "What?" You know. And then it hit me. I was like, "Oh, they're tr- they're fur trappers." Of course, that's what they were, and they're like, "We got you know some bait going, and we don't want your dog getting hurt." It was really nice. I mean, I'm glad they were there. It was just because we would have continued up that trail. And they probably saved Maggie or us from a, getting involved in a, you know, a trap. I don't think they would have put it on the trail. It's probably off the trail. So Maggie probably would have went to it well, first because she would have smelled one, it. One of them, uh, they were great guys. They were from down where we are, downstate. And um, they, they were concerned for us, and the, for the dog. And um, we, we were very, we, we talked to them for quite a bit. But we were very thankful to them, and they were very gracious to us too. You know, they knew we had a right to be there. They were just trying to protect us, and we were. It was a, you know, you have these random conversations with hunters and outdoorsmen in the woods, and we had a bad one earlier in the year. We referred to on a podcast. This was the the antithesis of this. It was a good experience with these guys, and they they kind of educated us a little bit on trapping too. I I don't know a terrible amount about it all. But, yeah, um, so I had some time this morning to kind of research that a little bit, and um, the funny thing is, is, I always thought that they had to mark these traps for guys like us or deer hunters or whatever, so you know you don't get involved, especially upland rabbit, hunters, rabbit, rabbit hunters too with dog. Yeah, anybody yeah. that's got a dog, a dog doesn't know any different, you know, and uh, that's what I'm always worried about with be it a trap or a wolf or whatever, which we've never really run into any wolf issues, um, although it's in the back of my mind. I haven't even seen any signs of wolf issues. Um, anyhow, these guys are real gracious to tell us that, but like my research is they don't have to put up a sign. And then I started going to some other sites. I'm like, why not? That's just dumb. 
Well, the other side of it is this. Um, if they put up a sign that tells everybody there's a trap, there's a lot of thievery going on, especially in rural areas where poverty is rampant, they're going to steal those hides. People are going to do it. because or, or, or the equipment, too. Or the equipment. The traps are very expensive. Um, the hides are worth a lot. Um, the other side of it, maybe not where, it, where we're at, but in other parts of the country, um, people don't like people trapping. So they'll just you know, destroy it or take it or sabotage it or, you know, that's on the other conservation side that they don't agree with that. So, I I mean, I I think that's probably far and in between because most of those people don't understand that still happens. But I think it's more of just people stealing their equipment for the value of it. And I get that. So I I wish there was a middle of the road so... (laughs) we knew where the risk was to keep the dog away from there. But unfortunately that's not so, but fortunately those guys saved the day for us, which we're very thankful for. Um, yeah. So we went back and unfortunately, uh, it was getting dark by then and we had some good conversations with those guys, but, uh, we lost the bird. So when we were going to go back there, because we were hunting the next day, and we we're like, yeah, let's not go back there. Because we don't really, we didn't ask them how many traps there were, there were exactly where, they were. where they were, you know, and it was a very, um, it was a good conversation. With the COVID going on, the biggest help for us, other than the trap, that was the biggest. But the second thing was, what's open to get food this time of night? <laughs> So they knew because they had been up there for a while. And they were from our area of the state, not from up there, local guys. Um, but they had been up there a while, and they helped us out with that. Yeah, which was a concern. You know, there's it's kind of a change up there. And, you know, you're used to in the winter when you grow up up there of things kind of shutting down a little bit. But it's a lot different now. I, I'm, I'm concerned about a lot of the businesses up there because – I mean, even when we went through Gaylord on the way up, which was Monday, middle of the day, yep, um, it was like a ghost town. Now, it, coming back on Tuesday night, it was a little different, but um, yeah, well, we came through there around lunchtime, though. So it's just it's just really odd because you know the tourists and the hunters and everything bring a lot of people and business up there, and you're used to seeing the swell in the summer and the downturn in the winter when you're a native, but. I got to tell you, it, it's a lot different. It's just, I mean, even when we were in Redger killing up for gas, there was nobody around. I mean, you could have walked through that town naked. Nobody would have noticed you. And Probably happens in Red Yard anyways. Yeah, probably. Probably. Probably with me 40 years ago. But, so. Um, but, so talking about the, uh, so we got pizza. It was awesome. And we went back to, to uh, the oh, ho- throw, throw the name out there. The Uperman Bar in Rayburg. Or Gatesville. Gatesville. Yeah. Really good pizza, by the way. So, Unfortunately, one of the beers I bought was open with a drink out of it, but I think you did that, or the dog did. I don't know. So I didn't drink that one. But that could happen yeah. anywhere. <laughs> How often have you seen me open a beer? <laughs> yeah, you're not a drinker. So. Neither am I. I just I like to have one before I go to bed. I, I had two with you, though. <laughs> you did. That was a I just, I never really had the taste for it, to be honest with you. But, and we'll so. have your friend Dan on the brewer someday yeah yeah what brews go with rough grouse hmm oh that'd be that'd be really good wouldn't it yeah <laughs> but to get back to our hunt the second day we uh hunted a little bit more and the, the weather obviously we mentioned earlier changed snowing a little bit sticking to the ground um sliding around in the truck 
Um, went to this one spot. Uh, well, we were going to go. You picked out a place on the map, and we go there, and they're, they're actually blowing uh, electrical lines in on the roads. There's construction going on, which is not a big deal. We went by them and went by them again. And um, we went right back to a place that you, Tom, and I were at. I'm like, dude, we were here like in October. Let's, let's go somewhere else. It was, it was a no good. Not, not yeah. a good place. But anyways, we went further up or up the road from where we had previously come anyways and found a good trail i'm like screw it let's just go here and try this we've never been here um headed down that trail and unfortunately as soon as we get out the trail there's somebody dumps a hot water heater and all the duct work which i don't understand because you can get money for the uh scrap metal. metal i would think but i don't know i just if you're doing that and i see you doing that i'm gonna shoot you with my gun so well you know what i've thought forever since we've been hunting together i when my legs were better and I could bid down, every time I saw a beer can or a pop can, I put it in my vest. Well, I, I don't do that anymore just because I don't know. The, the ground gets further away every year is all I'm going to say. But I I just have a passion in it. I, I get teased with the big group, don't I, about being a little more left or ecologically sensitive. I, I just think it should be capital punishment for people who throw things in the woods. I, I just I, – I'm sorry. It's There's no need for it. If you're back there drinking a pop while you're hunting or whatever, take it out with you. Yeah. You know? I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to go down this path today, brother, because I'll go crazy. You know, I will. I uh, just, I have no an issue respect. with somebody that's hunting on my land right now with leaving stuff and out there, and he's not going to be hunting much longer. That's for sure. He's my wife's side of the family. But anyways, I, I mean, I, I know. Here, here's here's an interesting side thing, real, and it's real quick, man. When you're not on the birds. Even when my shell shells eject, if I have the time, or even if I know where they are, a lot, you've seen me drop my hat where I've shot before. I'll go back and try and find the shells casings. I, I, I just will. Now, occasionally you're on the bird and you're shooting, you reload shooting, and we know we leave some, okay? But not intentionally, not, but not intentionally. It's just you lose track. Where was that? And you look for a couple minutes, and it's like, I have no idea, you know, somewhere in this 50 yard radius. But I will even try and pick up my shell casings, and I just I, I don't require people I hunt with to do that. I don't say anything. I, sometimes when they turn their back, you know, you see me do it, I'll bend down and pick them up, put them in my pocket. But I just am a real adamant, almost a zealot about picking stuff up. But after 30 years of this, I'm tired of picking up other people's crap in the woods. Yeah. And, I just well that that hot water heater was a that's a local person. Yeah, well, of course it is, and it's just why why this is dumb. Um. So, anyways, we headed down that trail quite a bit, and it was beautiful. The snow was coming down. It was a mix of birch, aspen, pines, um, limestone rocks, limestone rocks sticking up. We were on a higher elevation. Um, I'm like, we got to see something in here, and of course, um. Uh, what happened? Oh, all of a sudden we start seeing this. Uh, Maggie was off to my left, off trail now. Kevin was kind of off to the right, I believe. And um, the trail kind of just ended. So we just kept going because um, there are deer trails now. All of a sudden this thing starts moving on the ground. And I'm thinking in my mind, all right, when's it going to take off and start flying? And then my next thing is, oh, is this a wolf puppy? This is bad if it is. And then I'm like, what? What? what is this? <laughs> it's pure white, on white snow with green background and lime, dark limestone running. And it was a snowshoe hare, a big one. And I was like, 
God. And then you saw it right after that. <laughs> oh, I saw it clearly because it came out underneath those trees. Yeah. And I was actually on your left and Maggie was Oh, on were you on the left? And Maggie yeah, was and between I, us kind of? Is it, that what it, it came was? out yeah. 10 feet from you. Yeah, it just and, startled me. And then Maggie just looked at it and looked at me like, what do I do with that? <laughs> but I was wide on the left wing. I had a clear view from 20 yards, and the thing hopped out a couple of times, and then sat down and turned around and looked at us. Yeah, and I've but, always been told through my wife's dad, who was a big um, rabbit hunter, that they run in certain patterns usually. So I'm like, oh, let's get it. Let's get it now, you know, once we figured but, out what it was. Well, wait, we looked at each other, and you looked at me, and it's like, what is that? And I go, that's a snowshoe hare. Well, we're not rabbit hunters. I don't know if we can shoot it or not. And, and you said... You know, I think we can take those. Yeah. And so we, and you were looking at your phone trying to figure it out as we were moving. We never saw it again. It was gone. We couldn't even find the tracks. And um, because when it did take off the second time, it, it bolted. It was quick. But yeah, then I got I, home this morning and kind of looked it up. And uh, snowshoe hares, you know, they're brown in the off season. And then in the winter, they actually turn all white, which is kind of cool. And they have different feet. And they don't hibernate like some of the rabbits do. Um, and they're just a prey animal for bobcats, lynx, anything, coyotes. So, well, there's three things for me. I have never seen us, and you know, Matt, I've spent cumulative years in the woods in northern Michigan, you know, a year probably of my whole life altogether. I've never seen one in the wild. So, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen the, the brown what we call rabbits they're everywhere downstate you know in the summer right. you don't see them in the winter as much but i've never you do but i've never known them to turn white like that and that's a different was it's it, a different it, breed it's a different subspecies yeah. is that what it's considered i, I, I guess it's a, actually a hare and not a rabbit right and but i was surprised how big it was yeah, it was, was not it was not your little bunny you see in a store in a pet store this thing was big that would have been a nice christmas meal of course, I wanted to start. I forgot to do it because we kind of started looking for it. And while you were trying to figure out if we could take it, um, but I, I want to start doing the Monty Python. It's just a bunny. It's a harmless <laughs> little bunny. But, um, of course, like most wildlife, like grouse and obviously like social hair, it, it outsmarted us again. And it was gone. And, it, yeah. and I'm kind of grateful because it was beautiful. The, the funny thing, hard to explain on this podcast, is that setting was so beautiful with that light snow on the ground, the green and brown of the evergreen trees, and the birch, the white of the birch trees, and the even the off-white of the aspen trees, and the limestone with the white and then the ribbing in it with the black. It was just... It was transfixing, wasn't that? Yeah, was and then just, there was water settled, some of it iced over, some of it not. I mean, it, that's there's a little stre little stream there. It was like, man, this is just gorgeous. Yeah, it was one of the main reasons you go out in the wilderness just to enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, of course, maybe that is the reason to t take my phone because if I had to do it again, I would have taken some pictures back there for the pod for the Facebook site because it was just startling, and it was the weather was. It'd be real bright and sunny, then it wouldn't be. So it, your visual acumen to the light differences was changing every few minutes. And it, it, it's hard to describe, but it was just gorgeous. Yeah, and then we um, we went a little further, got back into the, you know, grouse bird dog mode. And uh, and then you're like, there's a bear trap over here. Or, no, you're not a bear trap. You said, there's a trap over here. And I'm like, oh, I'm going back. <laughs> I get the dog away from that. And then you're like, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. And I couldn't hear what you said. I'm obviously losing my hearing. But I'm like, what? 
And you're like, come over here. I'm like, well, if there's a trap, I'm not going over there. And he's like, no, 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 it's something different. And then we, I got over there, and then I took pictures of this, and I put it on our um, Facebook page. You can take a look at it if anybody's really listening and interested. But it was a survey monument with some bearing trees, which was really cool. Well, you got, you got to do one more sentence on the setting. We were a half mile from any trail, even a foot trail. We were back deep. Yeah. And, and you walk up, and it was like a four-foot diameter circular. I don't. I didn't see if it was. It must have been metal. I don't know. But I didn't touch it. But it was like, whoa, this is way back in here. Go ahead, man. Tell, tell the rest of it. Yeah, so it was a survey monument. We don't know when it was put there. Um, not recently, obviously, but um, it's basically they do that and they take four trees and their bearing markers. Um, obviously, north, south, east, west, cardinals. Um, maybe not. That's what I figured because it kind of lined up that way with a monument in the middle. And they use that survey monument as basically a starting point or an ending point when they start making these maps. Um or just doing measurements for property lines. But what it was is we were where state land and national land kind of conjoined right there on public lands, which we thought was kind of different. So at some point, they used that survey monument for some kind of cartology. And I asked some questions um, on our social media to see if anybody is into cartology, geography, um, surveying that would know more about this because we obviously know nothing. Um, but it was just very, very interesting. Something in the middle of the woods. Uh, I mean, that's just a good topic. What's the weirdest thing you've ran into? I mean, that's not really weird. I guess you're going to hit those every now and then, <laughs> but that's the well, first that, one we've ever seen. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think we both have always had a passing interest in cartography and maps. I mean, you know, I, I love maps and looking at them, but I, I just, I, I used to have an old road atlas and when my daughter was little, I'd rip out corners and see if she could figure out where where that was in the nor you know united states so i like maps i just don't know anything about it and why that survey mark was so far back it wouldn't make more sense to put it up near the road but uh i, well, I, th I think they have to be on a latitude longitude mark is why oh, they're see, doing there it. you go yeah yeah see i didn't think about that it's probably on a direct latitude mark in longitude one or the other or or a half or something so that's why they're it's considered a survey monument i might be wrong on that but that's kind of seems well, logical maybe, maybe someday we'll have to get a cartographer. i used to know one really well a long time ago i lost track of them, but i'd like to talk to a cartographer about this somebody who's done surveying it'd be kind of interesting to yeah, me i actually would, used to maybe. do some surveying in a different way but uh not, yeah. I, I wouldn't know <laughs> that information. Yeah. Yeah, you were about 1,500 feet. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we left there and uh, went back to the truck, and um, then we headed out of there. Um, well, well, we'll just continue the hunting story and, and then move on topics. But we, uh, we went back over the bridge, which was a beautiful day to do that. And uh, we went and did some lower peninsula hunting. Um, kind of near Alba, Mancelona area that we've hunted before and had a little success and saw nothing. But the thing to talk about there is we actually ran into some surveyors there in Jeeps. We could ask them. I didn't think about that. I didn't. Just now, it just hit me. And you said we ran into, it's like, we should have asked them. Yeah. That's what they do. But I, I was totally, they, they were actually doing all the talking, talking about deer hunting and uh, birds and stuff. But uh, we didn't see anything there. But uh, just the story there was... Uh, 
those are natural gas roads, you know, where they do pumping and work there and very treacherous to walk on the roads. Um, so that was our last non-successful hunt there in the lower peninsula, probably of the year. Um, you know, you know uh, one thing that we made it four times this year, we went up opening day to set up camp and then we went up with the big group we went up this week but we also went back and got the camper and hunted that time yeah so you, yeah let's yeah. talk about that um and uh when we went up and got the the camper like kevin said we um we did what just an afternoon hunt or morning hunt i don't remember Wait, I, I got one more thing on surveying oh, and yeah, go ahead. 47 that's all i gotta say uh, up in the eastern peninsula, they've got, you know, the ORV trails marked, of course, like they do all over northern Michigan. But um, this was a Dr. Tom joke, one of our hunting partners. He's like, he's like, what do these signs mean? What does that mean? He goes, or he'll say, what road is this? And I'll point at it. It's always number 47. I go, it's 47. <laughs> yeah, which I think I, is I the snowmobile why, trail why, number why 47. A oh, hundred square mile area. It's always forty-seven. I, yeah. I don't get it, but anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, like I said, I think that's the snowmobile trail number. But but, but why is it everywhere? You know, because I think it runs east to west through the whole UP. Well, that would make sense with what we've been doing up there. Yeah, that would make sense. I, I've got to look that up, and it doesn't. The covey doesn't care. So go ahead. I'm sorry, but forty-seven. Yeah. So <laughs> you want to talk about? Um, we went up to get the our mobile bird camp, which is a my wife's camper not my camper but she allows us to use it for bird camp but um we went and got the camper and did some hunting and uh it's kind of a funny story there um because you and tom and the big group after i had left uh in october you guys got into a bunch of birds there right well, yeah we got in a bunch of birds in fact i went through a bunch of ammo and um uh, and got, got some so it was good i didn't get one but that's okay that's not what i do anymore i help other people mostly but um, earlier in the season, um, or in the week, I guess that week, I had had a bird come out of a tree right next to me and it started to be so bad. The first shot I took it, I actually had my front hand overhand cause I ducked and readjusted. And so that was a big joke in bird camp is, you know, the birds are after the big guy. And so we go back later in the week to this area that's very productive very mixed cover you'll you'll get into some berry trees and then you'll get into some evergreens and then there's some open areas well we knew the bird we, the birds have been in this one spot which we wouldn't tell you under a threat of death where it is but um so matt had to go to work and had left so there was four or five of us left up there we're all lined up no dog with us and i we're pushing and just okay we know they're always here so we're coming out of kind of the heavier woods to this open area. There's probably a hundred yards on one side of more open area. And then it adjoins some private property. Well, as we, as we step from the, out of the last bit of the heavy area, I'm talking to the guys saying, be aware. This is, I think we had actually bumped one. It's like, they're in this area. They're right here. I'm stepping by the last evergreen tree. And I'd stopped and looked at the whole tree again. Nothing there. I says, okay, it's going to open up here and we'll wheel right and get back towards the berries. I take my hand to move the branch on the evergreen tree that was sticking out. Now, remember, I've looked at this whole tree for 20 seconds. And this had happened earlier in the week, but not to this extent. As I put my hand and push the branch down, something blows out of the tree. And like you said about 
previous in this podcast, your first microsecond thought is it's a cat or a bear or, you know, something's coming to get me. So you start ducking down. As they move the branch, the bird blows right off that branch. So quick to me that I ducked my head and my hat was coming down across my face. I could still see its wings, the tip of its wing. So this thing's within two feet of me. If I would have had free hands and a free look at it, I could have grabbed it. And so it blew over. Of course, I reverse pivot because it went behind me to the left towards the open area. And I'm thinking, this is the dream grouse shot. I've got an open shot. Of course, the branch springs back because I you know, push it back and hits me. It knocks my gun askew. You know, it knocks me just off balance. So I was way left on the first shot, second shot, third shot. And usually, my theory is always a grouse will go 40 to 60 yards and settle. Well, we had a clear view of it. I reeled off three shots at it, one which was totally messed up on the first shot. Well, it went all the way across this more open area, and the guy to my right, three old, old friends of mine, and I'm thinking, usually they've come to where the bird flushed. I look over at them, and nobody's looking at me. And I look over, and I go, hey, 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 hey. And Sammy was next to me. He goes, I got it. And that's all they said. And I looked over. Then I realized why they, they were all laughing so hard. And they were like, <laughs> they were just. Now, remember, the same thing had happened earlier in the week to me, where a bird came out of a tree just feet from me. And and this one was so close. I, mean, I, I seriously could have grabbed it with my hands if I would have been aware and empty-handed. And, it, and of course, I was like, let's go. Sammy goes, it's, it went to that tree. He points to a tree because it is opening up. Well, I said, yeah, but in front of the tree is a private land sign 100 yards away. And I was just like, and this bird went. It went a long ways. And it went on to private property. I said, there's nothing we can do. Poor Dr. Tom was on the far right wing. He, he couldn't talk to me for a half hour. Every time he'd look at me, he'd just start laughing. And I was just like... <laughs> Later that night at the fire, which will segue us into the another topic, but at the fire, you know, they keep telling the story over and over, and it's, and they go, Kevin, you've brought so many people and you've killed so many birds. They're after you. There's proof. We've seen it twice. They're after you. They've <laughs> hired bird assassins. <laughs> but well, it, you told me that story, and then we go to get the camper on a a short trip, just basically get the camper and do a little bit of hunting, and took the dog with us, and then. You're like, let's go back there. That those birds are still because you guys never got them, right? So, oh god, no, no. So we go back to that same spot, same exact spot, or near it, near it, near within seventy five yards. And again, we're off trail, and I was actually a little turned around. And uh, I'm in front of you. You're back to my left. Bird dogs running back and forth, but at this point, I think she's off to my right, and. I look back at you, and all of a sudden, you look like Matthew Stafford just getting hit by a linebacker and a blitzing defensive end, or I mean, a cornerback with a defensive end imposing. You're just like spinning, turning around, <laughs> about to go down. You're about to take a sack from a tree because the same exact thing happened. Yeah, so it actually happened three times this year. It happened earlier in the week, the one I just told, and then a month later that you're telling. That one... It was the same thing. I was moving the branch back. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I'll bump a branch with my hand or gently with my gun barrel to see if I can move them on the tree. That one, 
the one I just told it, the branch just kind of brushed me a little bit enough to move my gun a foot, you know, when I shot this one, it, that branch came sprung back and the bird came out. It wasn't as close as the previous one. It was probably eight feet up. That branch came back and hit me. And of course, as always, you're a stride log, you know, and you got other tangle around you. I was spitting like a three legged hippo on ice, man. And, and, <laughs> It was the same thing you just said there. You couldn't even. I, I never really. I went down to almost to a knee, gun in one hand, and put my other hand. So I was three quarters of the way down at the end. But it wasn't, it wasn't only the branch. The branch knocked me, moved me, got my foot tangled up. Got, and it was just like Matthew Stafford, like you said, get. And finally, I've. I'm almost all the way down with my hands on the ground. I look up. I said, I'm okay. <laughs> and then the bird was just gone. Oh, yeah, because it wasn't the quick fall. It was like the two-second, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Stumbles and falls, man. And, uh, I think the birds and the trees are in on it. I think they're sick of me. And I, 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 th I think it's going to end miserably because but in the end, it, it was funny even at the time, but it's always the same reaction, especially from you and Tom. You just can't look at me because you're laughing so hard. Yeah, that was pretty hilarious. Yeah, and I, let's admit it. A six foot four, two hundred seventy five pound guy. There's nothing funnier than seeing a guy like that fall because yeah. we don't fall gracefully. You know, we fall in stages. <laughs> so three episodes with birds this year coming right at me. And Down goes Frazier. That yeah, you know, and that's the uh, Howard Cosell uh, boxing thing. We've said that for twenty years. Down goes yeah. Frazier. <laughs> I used to say that about my son when he was. And the funny thing about walking. your dog now, which is I liked all your dogs. Uh, you know, Lola and I had a love-hate thing, but Maggie, she always, when you fall, she runs over to you and looks Yeah, make sure like, you're okay. She's a look-backer. She makes, make sure her little uh, group is okay. Well, we saw it with Sam this year when he was trailing back one time. He's like, she counts heads. She's going she back knows, there and like, stay with the pack, stay with the pack. You <laughs> kept trying to get Sammy to come up to us. But she's a head counter, but when I went down that time, she came running over, just stops and looks at me for about four feet away. Are you all right? All right. Freeze your way out. <laughs> So funny, I it was just an oddity of three times of having birds come out, you know, from eight feet, ten feet to right next to your head. And um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's my eyesight. I I just don't see them well up in trees. Yeah, you used you used to be able to a couple of years ago spot them in trees. And I'm like, what are you looking at? And all of a sudden, we get closer, and sure enough, there'd be a bird in the tree. Well, well, you you've actually seen me shoot them off trees, and you're going, what are you doing? And a bird falls down. Yeah, First, I, I don't know if it's my it's got to be age in my eyes because I'm getting so old, but I just I used to be able to pick them out of trees because, you know, most trees have horizontal branches, but on a bird that's on a branch, you can see them vertically. Yeah. You, does that make sense to you, man? Yeah. I hope it yeah. does to the listeners. I can't see them even when I'm two feet from them now. Yeah, I don't I've know. never really. I I have pretty good corrected 2020 eyesight. I've never really been able to see them in the trees. I think I've oh, got one or two maybe over the years. Like you yeah, have this I, gift where you could just see him. Like I'm like, what are you looking? At? I well, that time you and I and Bert were hunting in December, and the one blew right out above Bert. We never saw that one. Scared the crap out of him. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just you know, we were actually moving and walking at that point. Yeah. Now I used to be able to stand like we push him into a tree or a copse of trees, and I could stand there and say, "Just give me a minute," and I'd go in. And you've seen me, and it's like I got him. 
and you say shoot him and it's like i i was looking at the same spot i didn't see it kevin I, yeah I, I saw it clearly but anymore i can't see him on the trees i still see him on the ground pretty well um but i just can't see him and i mean two that one was two feet away and if and i don't know the the covey's gonna go oh yeah right dr tom will tell you matt saw it they're right next to me and I, I, you know, and the worst part about it isn't the fall or missing the shot because you're the the first one we had that week. I, I didn't get my gun shouldered, and of course got the jolt in the shoulder for it. But I, I got to tell you, the worst part is that fraction of a microsecond when you're thinking bobcat bear. You know, yeah. something's jumping jumping out of this tree on me, and is it'll it something going to get me, or is it I'm going to get something? And you always, it's a. <laughs> You always take the worst yeah. case scenario first. Fight or uh, flight, and a lot of times it's flight first. Yeah. <laughs> They're funny stories. <laughs> yeah, but the, just to change subjects now, the other reason we went to the UP on a short trip this time was not mm -hmm. only to get some good hunting in, but a uh, short trip. I got to go to work, so I had to come back early. But um, it was probably our last chance to hunt during this season for grouse mm -hmm. um, just because of work and family schedules. But we're also looking to relocate our bird camp. We, we usually do it out of an RV or a cabin in the past. Like this time we didn't take an RV all the way up north just for one night. We stayed in a hotel, which is nice. But when you travel with a dog, um, and you know, you do save money when uh, you bring your own food and you make your own food, believe it or not. It's nice to go out with, out with the guys or girls or whatever when you're hunting um, once in a while, but it gets old. And I travel for work. I don't want to eat out hardly at all um, unless I'm just grabbing something at a drive-thru. But um, I don't know where I was going with it. Oh, so we were, we're kind of looking to relocate our bird camp to a more permanent. And Kevin's also looking for a retirement place. And we both want to get back to where you grew up and I partially grew up to the eastern UP. Um, just because we love the grouse habitat there. There's more to offer than grouse hunting. There's good deer hunting. Um, turkey clean turkey duck, yep fishing is exceptional one of, there um, one of the greatest fisheries in north america yeah i mean just awesome and, and it doesn't mean anything to bird camp or a cubby but i i've gotten really into kayaking and there's no better spot i mean it's just right. beautiful. um and where we normally set up our um rv and have cabin rentals recently um that place is actually selling or is going to be for sale i'm yeah. not sure if the deal's gone through and oh and we've been going there not every year but um for 20 years and we've become very very good friends with the owner who's now going to sell and retire and right he should so, so and, and he's expanded and now when we first started going there we'd be like the only people there at night have a campfire have fun eat drink whatever well over the last few years as he's expanded it's become a little busier and busier and which is okay, but our loyalty was to Ray, honestly. So yeah, um, and I mean, when we get our big group together, we can be kind of loud. I mean, uh, we don't want to interrupt other people who are trying to have you know a quiet camping night with their family. What about so, what about the conversation? Sorry, brothers, I won't even mention your names till four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I was way in. I'm like, you guys are crazy. I'm not twenty Go years to old. Bed. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, we're and, and one of the key things is it's not only my pending or current retirement is um, we just are having more luck with birds and better experiences in the UP than the Lower Peninsula right now. So that's another reason. But 
Yeah, Go and uh, we we did between our hunts, we're popping in and out of properties we had looked at online, and you picked up some information, and uh, we looked at a few properties, uh, a couple Nothing. couple before we could even hunt, you know, before it was light and after, um, some in just between uh, going to hunting places, like I said, and uh, they all need work or they're just too remote or not remote enough just you know we have a check mark of what we want and then we were actually driving out from when we saw the marker the survey monuments um on our way out to the bridge and there's this for sale sign on and we're on top of a higher elevation mark which is where we kind of want to be and uh we stop and talk to that guy. I don't know. I'll let you talk to it, Kevin, because it's going to be your place yeah, it, that you it, let me stay at. So. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it kind of checked a lot of the boxes. Um, it's it's off uh, year-round road. Obviously, you want that. And when you're going to retire. And uh, it's it's rustic. There's no electricity or plumbing, but it's coming. The electrical companies are working their way down that road right now. And but the beauty of it is, it is a hunter's paradise. He had a mount of a turkey he had gotten this year that was beautiful, big turkey, and more antlers and, and deer mounts than you could even count, and um, a nice chunk of property. I don't want to give too much away, but a nice chunk of property. Yeah, and it was in your price range, too. So It's in my price range. It had more acreage than I would ever want, but um, the property's all groomed, and all the hard work's done, and there, yeah, there's he's probably done like we said, ten to fifteen thousand dollars worth of uh, yeah. moving Escavating, dirt around, excavating. Well, and up there moving rocks, and but um, and it's close to where I grew up and where I want to be for all the reasons we've listed. So um, that's ongoing right now. But I did say to my brother on the way back because we spent a lot of time talking, and um, I said if this happens over the next week or two. I, I, bird camps permanently move because why would i go anywhere else yeah. but when and then the joints man i think he said two hundred thousand acres of state and federal land well, i'm mean, not sure if it was that high a number but yeah 20, a lot 000, of land Twenty thousand, maybe yeah. I, I forget what he said but um you know why would you go somewhere else i mean everything you want yeah and he there, said but, he i don't know if you previously mentioned that he said he took out many grouse there or he called them yep. pats but i mean yeah 16 is that what he's i don't remember now six dozen six but, dozen okay but, but I, first of all i don't think that was all off this hunk of property i think it was in total up there and i i, I think it was over 20 years you know or 30 years so that he's owned you, it yeah okay. yeah but but you know it's, and he could it, have been it, trying to make a sale too because he knew we were obviously dog dressed in orange but, so. yeah he, he did have some uh fans in there you know some yeah. feather so but anyway it, it's uh it, it's interesting i i would probably have to pour a lot of money in it to get the way i want it i sent you my di diagram today yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool actually and uh but um uh, just uh the bird camp podcast actual bird camp may be moving and hopefully that'll work out so hey if not if it doesn't go through we'll, we'll you'll keep looking and we still have the rv to uh we can easily find well, another place. Looking at airstrips or houses or cabins, we've gotten better at it. We don't look during hunting times as much as we used to. We, you know, used the dawn and dusk times to do that. So I, that way you don't ruin somebody else. Yeah, or the middle of the day when you just want to give your legs or a break. Or when you're too hot. Yeah, or want to break. But 
So the look continues. I, uh, I'm hoping to have some news by the end of the week on that, but that's, uh, that's for you and me and our honey buddies. So, um, it would be cool though, wouldn't it? Uh, well, yeah, but if we can start basing out of there, I would love to do trips because I'm kind of burned out on the Northern lower. I don't know why. I mean, we haven't hunted all the Northern lower, but the spots we go to, um, I just like, like the, the hunting environment up in the upper peninsula better. And I would well, really love to do two day excursions from there over to the West side. It wouldn't be that big of a deal, but from where we're at previously, wow. it is a big deal. <laughs> so, Oh yeah. From there. Well, you know, everybody says Ralph is the grouse Mecca of Michigan when Ralph isn't even really a town anymore, but from there, that can't be more than three hours. I mean, and from here, that's 10 or 11. And so a lot of reasons, but, you know, I, I don't know how interested our listeners would be in what we're talking about. But uh, you, you had one more topic on the, on the list, Matt, about what's a great bird camp discussion. Um, camp oh, oh, no, my thing is, is uh, for bird camp on what we're doing, um, what are some of the things that we're going to kind of talk about, you know, throw some feedback if you want, that you want to have at bird camp. So obviously number one, other than food, shelter, place to sleep, place to go to the bathroom, but would be a fire pit for us. Cause that's, yeah, that's what bird camp. I mean, that's part of our logo is just sit around the campfire at night and talk about what, talk about the day, talk about the hunt, talk about the next day, what you're going to do. Um, so obviously a place where you can have a campfire, um, even if that's a fireplace sitting around the fireplace inside, which in September in the UP with the bugs, well, that might well, be I, know, I noticed, so, I noticed something this time, um, we didn't have the opportunity to have a fire, you know, but, um, you know, it's 29 to 33 degrees basically. And even with no wind and we were dressed properly, you're a little chilled by the end of the day. And that's that's one thing the fire offers you is to burn that chill out of you. So yeah. That's, but go ahead. So, yeah, some other things. I mean, obviously, the luxuries of life, having, you know, indoor plumbing and, you know, water. Well, I mean, that's, that's here or there. Everybody's different on that. Some guys want to rough it. Other guys want to bring their families, you know, and want that stuff. But uh, I, I don't know. What other things are you looking for? Um, I like I, I, having the ability to have music. Um, music, well, I, I I do like that as long as it's low enough you can still discuss. You know, yeah, and and that's at the campfire while you're cooking your meal, and that brings up another thing is I like to be able to cook or, or have the ability to cook our meals or bring meals we already prepared and warm them up, like so maybe in an oven or microwave. Well, well this, this is no insult to our bigger group. We've got some foodies in that group. That oh like yeah, 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 yeah. And there's no insult and. On a week-long trip, we will go out once. And usually, I like it the last night, so you're not cleaning up everything afterwards, you know, so you can break camp. But, um, I, you know, you and me and Dr. Tom, the way we like, we get up in the morning and you have a bite of yogurt or something. Protein like bar. Hit the garage. Protein bar. I couldn't think of the word of that. Protein bar. We all do that. We like eating off the tailgate, the sandwiches and chips yeah. at lunch. And because... You and I are pretty addictive grouse hunters. No offense, Doc, but guy's obsessive, and it's awesome because he, we brought him into it. We love him, and he's a great man to us, a father figure. But we don't like going and stopping, going into town to get, you know, we just, just bring uh, yeah. out the cool, cooler, I think it, the sandwich. That's just time you could be in the woods or right. 
you know, and, there's nothing wrong and, going out to eat every now and then, but when it becomes twice a day, nah, I'm out. No, no, or even once a day. And and this this leads to a great future thing that we've talked about um, with our website uh, guru, who's your wife. And um, what what do we eat at night when we're not going out? Well, I've made lasagnas. Um, you and I and Foxy had one of the best roast beefs we've ever had. Once yeah, he brought it with us. Yeah. yeah. Those well, guys stopped and got ribs this last time. Was it ribs? Well, it, oh, no, the, those guys, they're all in the pork, the swine industry. So we get some of the best yeah. pork you you can't buy in stores. It's so good. But um, we've done ribs. We've done brats. We've done, you know, um, burgers, obviously. Uh, the one thing we do avoid is chicken because if you're at a remote camp, it's going to bring things into the camp. Like yeah, that's true. Hats, and which that's, we actually had happen once. But right, um, and that, that's another thing to talk about is leaving stuff out the fire. You you got to be conscious of that. I mean, we're not in Montana, you know, or well, it's, Idaho. It's, still, or, <laughs> it's yeah. rampant, but it could happen. So. It, well, it did did happen to Foxy and I once, but when when you look when you look at the whole thing, of course, one of the big things is chili, and yeah, yeah. you know if you have the opportunity to have a crock pot, it's the easiest thing because you brown the brown the meat in the morning, throw it in there, throw all the greens in, put it in the crock pot, it's ready when you get back. And yeah, so exactly. Even if you go back at lunch, make a sandwich, you know, take a break, turn that crock pot on. By the time it's dark, you get back before the time change, maybe. So we've It'll done chili. We've done roast. We've done basically all the good food you can cook at home. That's pretty right. good for you too. And um, brats. We've done pork loins, steaks. You know, but um, the cooking around the campfire and to sit around the campfire—it's um, pretty awesome, to be honest with you. And some of the better meals I've ever had. And which I, I don't know if you were segueing to this, but I will. Um, we're going to start printing recipes. And if you're listening out there, send us your, even if it's the simplest recipe. You're talking about grouse, woodcock, pheasant recipes or upland no, recipes. No, I'm talking about two things. I'm talking about that first grouse, woodcock, bird recipes from hunting, but also camp recipes. Oh, oh um, like even like if you want to share your best chili, I got the best chili. Here's my recipe type thing. Yeah, if, yeah. if you're willing to share it, because we are going to post it. Um, we, uh, the three of us that are involved in this podcast have talked about uh, you, me, and Sandy. We have we've talked about going to recipes because you know our group. We've got foodies in it, and we've got big guys who like to eat. We we like planning out the meals and saying we're going to have lasagna this night or something. But um, I think it'd be really cool to start doing that. Honestly. Yeah. And, do you want to talk about the other thing we're going to do with the website? That's coming soon. Um, we're going to do a separate page on our website just for this these recipes to put on there. Um, the other thing is, is Kevin is a published author, and he wants to start publishing. I don't know how you're going to do it, if it's a book or a blog or whatever, or segments. I, and we haven't figured I, that part out yet, but it's called Jake's Tales. Yeah, and it's it's we posted a couple to Facebook, but you know, social media being the quick fix yeah. that it is. The, the, these are short stories, and they're formatted. You like the format, you said, um, based on our hunting experiences. So eventually, I think what we'll do is we'll just go to a blog tied to bird, all the bird camp stuff. Yeah, we'll put yeah. It on the website because people don't want to spend time reading off Facebook. You know, yeah. they, they get on there to get what they want and get off usually, or 
you know. Yeah, I, I did get some good feedback that people like it. The stories are usually funny, to be honest with you. And uh, and uh, I, I'm not going to do one of those every week or month because I have other writing responsibilities. So, but um, if, if you like hunting stories, it, there will be an opportunity for that and and recipes. And uh, maybe someday we'll come out with a recipe book of two sections: grouse and woodcock and bird camp recipes because or just camp i mean that could be something for deer camp fish camp fishing yeah yeah and just what are the and see fish camp would be interesting as far as the recipes because i mean there's some really good ones out there but fish tacos that'd be good oh white fish tacos (laughs) but good great anything else well also to speak about our website we are selling merchandise on there that my wife is helping us with um because she's a stay-at-home mom but right now she's playing school teacher um so we have hats um our new item of course we have the stickers the gun cleaning towels um we have the stickers that go in the back of your window um what else do we have kevin i forgot I think we're working on oh shirts? t-shirts. We have t-shirts, t-shirts. and she's yeah. talking about doing sweatshirts. We're trying to go American made on everything with it's just got our logo on it. Kind of cool thing. I'll help out for the equipment cost of the uh Yeah, and what, we're not we're not we're not looking. Yeah, we do this cuz we like to do it. It's fun. We do fun it cuz we like to do it. But this is uh, something we were asked for at Burke Camp this year and um it does we do have equipment cost in this and it's not a little bit. So we're that's why we're doing it, but uh, just uh, and the merchandise is really nice. Yeah, and it's not very expensive either, so uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. That'll help us out with uh, the production. Great Christmas presents. Great yeah. Christmas presents. And just go to our website, and I think it's under the merchandise tab. Um, also, we do have the um, Patreon site, which we don't have any Patreons, but if you want to help us out, that's cool too. Not bad. Yeah, that's cool too. Um, um, I would like to give a special. Uh, Thanks out to uh, Bot's shells. Even though we didn't get to shoot a bird with it, I really like those shells. I like the way they feel. They're they feel different to me. Um, I don't know the, what you the, thought. The, the you, plastic, I bought you a box, and I bought myself two boxes. Yeah, you, and the, 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 I, I tell you, the boxes are better than what you buy off the shelf because the, my boxes fall apart all the time for some reason. But um, the shell, the plastic part, isn't like ribbed. It's smooth. Yeah. And, for some reason, they feel better. They do, and I um, think there's more metal on them in the casing. Yeah. That's yeah. they just look a little different. But like we didn't get it. I didn't even shoot them on honestly, but I will. I, I didn't either. Right. And uh, so we'll we'll give you more feedback on that. I, I have a feeling they're going to be a little more accurate than what we're used to shooting. Um, I'm a steel shooter. Kevin's still a lead shooter. But uh, we're giving this a shot for, you know, it is a, a more expense, but as a upland grouse hunter, you don't really shoot a lot, you know. Well, it's like this week, I, I didn't shoot a single show yeah. in two and a half so, days. Out of the ex- oh, you, expense yeah. of better accuracy, as well as, you know, you're doing right for the environment. Hey, why not? Why not? Yeah. And I will say this, you had your, you had your new stormy Cromer up North. That's yeah. That's another thing I was like, fine it was cold. Fine looking hat. My wife got that for me for Christmas and, uh, it's a good looking hat and, uh, it's got a nice warranty on it. Um, they're serialized, a uh, little bit different design than I remember. Uh, you have kind of a knockoff stormy that you've had for years, right? 
Yeah, um, the more traditional one. Yeah. Ear, the ear flaps are different. And I think there are different. My wife told me there's there's different kinds of Stormy Chroma. The ones she got, I really like. I didn't. I wasn't sure at first until we're out hunting. You know, it's December. It's cold. And I'm a, I'm a head shaver because I lost my hair when I'm in my 30s. Um, so my head gets, gets cold. And I had that hat on with no ear covering on it. I was amazed how I think it kept my head warmer than a normal, uh, what do you call it, a chuke or a, you know, a, re- a regular wool hat that you would have on. I, it just was warm. I, it's very comfortable to you. Well, I, I noticed that because the f- first afternoon on this short trip, um, the wind wasn't up. At, there was no wind at all. But we, we uh, went on a walk, and it was felt colder. I don't know if we were higher or closer to the water, but uh, you had that hat on. But I don't know if you noticed, I pulled my hood up on my sweatshirt with my yeah. ball cap because I was getting cold. And I, you know me, I never get cold. But I, uh, I think it's a cool hat. It's an awesome hat. Yeah, so I'll stick with that. I don't know how it'll work like uh, for next year, and when we, if we start hunting in September, October, it might be a little too warm for that. But right. I might have to go just back to a ball cap for that or something. Yeah. But yeah, I'll figure it cool. out. But, uh, future, future future topics besides recipes, um, we're we're going to have a taxidermist. Is that the right term, Matt? Yeah, we've been working trying on scheduling uh, on that. And we're and we're working. We're I'm having some scheduling issues because these guys are so busy. But we're trying to get a, a noted vet on for uh, dog care. So um, I think that would be a great. So that would be your yours. Your yeah, and I'd you. like to get um, or for this uh, off season, uh, we've been scheming, especially on the drive up there and back on what to talk about. You know, we're gonna do some dog training topics, maybe some more yep. equipment topics. Uh, yep. Um. I don't know, just a vast sorts of things. If you guys want us to research and talk about anything else or have any special guest on, just let us know. Send us some feedback either through the website or on the uh, directly on the Facebook page. You can message us. So anything well, else? To it, add? Oh, sorry. Go well, ahead. one other topic we, we've talked about and we're going to do is the guys we've been hunting with all these years, we're going to have them come on in two or three minutes and tell about their first grouse story in just a few sec, you know, few minutes. Because I, I, I think that's always interesting, you know, just out here, you know, so that we'll add that in as a little tiny subtopic at some point. Sure. Uh, but I think we got some good topics lined up. But boy, I tell you what, if the listeners would tell us topics, it, it would be great to make it more appealing to them. So Yeah, because we're on good. episode eight and we feel like, hey, we've already talked about that. We, what should we talk about again? I don't know. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, but we'll, we'll keep hitting on it, and uh, things are growing, and people are interested, especially on the Facebook side, and it's awesome. It's good. So, All right, well, thanks for listening to us. This is uh, the end of Episode 8. We'll uh, work on Episode 9, of course, probably in the new year when the seasons close and after the holidays, but right. thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bird Camp Podcast. If you'd like to get a hold of us and give us some feedback, which we would appreciate, please contact us directly at our Facebook page, or you can also contact us via email. Our email can be found at our webpage. Our webpage is birdcamp.net, www.birdcamp.net. Email is found on there. It is also mi.birdcamp at gmail.com. 
and for finding us on Facebook, just do a search for Bird Space Camp. On our website at birdcamp.net, we're going to start featuring some of our promotional products. We have Hunter Orange Koozies to keep your favorite drink cool. We're also going to start selling some gun cleaning towels, white cotton towels with our logo, the Bird Camp logo. And then we also have the window sticker. If you like the podcast, we encourage you to put one of those in the back of your SUV or truck. We'd like to thank the Covey for listening to our podcast. If anybody out there would like to advertise on our podcast or knows of somebody in the Covey or a friend of a Covey that would like to advertise, please send us a note, send us some feedback, and uh, we're going to start throwing some advertisers on here to get some of our uh, expenses back for putting out this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. See ya! Thank you.